I will praise you, Lord. Although you are angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. The, uh, the talk today, it, it, it's in three parts, and um, we're going to intersperse it with a couple of songs. And uh, the reason it's split in, in that way is that um, we're going to look at three different passages which are all relevant to this theme of water and wells and this image that we have running through the Bible um, of, of the importance of water and how it sustains us and how that relates to our spiritual existence as well. So um, we're going to start with um, this passage in Isaiah that uh, Janet read to us right at the beginning of the service. And I'll, I'll read it again in a moment, but it, but it takes us on a bit of a journey um, from a situation, it begins where the, Isaiah talks about God being angry with him. Uh, and, you know, I think we, we're sort of familiar with this sort of concept of, you know, our own unworthiness. And, and for Isaiah, he felt that as God being angry with him. Um, but God didn't turn away from him. God didn't shun him. God comforted him and brought him salvation. So that's what he says in this way. Isaiah says, in that day, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is the God we worship. Not a God who is angry with us all the time, but a God who wants to comfort us and bring us salvation. So that's a great place to start on this, uh, this journey. But what Isaiah then reaches for is an image that captures that. And the image he uses is this. He says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, we uh, have had an experience in the last uh, few weeks, haven't we, of some hot days in this country, occasional days when records have been broken, and it's been pretty hot. But Isaiah and the people who he was speaking to, they lived in, the, in a country that was always pretty hot. Uh, and we start to get a sense of that, didn't we, when we, we sort of felt the heat on those couple of days. Uh, and imagine living in that environment all the time, where you make plans to stay indoors, and you need to make sure, it was upon the motorways, as, a, you know, as you were driving along, you know, make sure you've got water with you. 
And in, in Isaiah's time, of course, as people traveled, um, it was by foot mainly, and they would cover big distances in the heat. They'd carry some water with them, of course they would, but that water would run out, and they'd be waiting and hoping to get to the next point when they could drink again. And uh, I think this, this picture of wells of salvation would have resonated to these this, this people. You said, yeah, I know exactly what that's like when you've walked so far, and you're even not sure exactly where you are and whether you'll get to the next well or not. And then you see it in the distance, and that feeling of elation, that yes, there's something that will actually bring me uh, relief from this thirst, the wells of salvation. That's the image that Isaiah produces for us. But he doesn't just take the journey up to that point. He doesn't just take us to the well of salvation. He goes beyond it. Because he also talks about the Lord is my strength and my song. And indeed, the rest of the, the chapter that, uh, that Janet read to us is a song of thanks to God. Because having got to that point, having got to the well, having drunk from the well, your journey continues, doesn't it? And imagine how uplifted you are at that point. You've refilled your water containers and you're off again with a song in your heart. And joy is something that we need to remember in our experience of, of, of God. Not just that he saved us, but that he's put a song in our heart and he's moved us on. So maybe that's a good point to have another song. And uh, we'll pick up the second part from there. Jesus was on a journey and uh, with his disciples was walking up from Judea to Galilee, which is a journey of about two or three days, depending on how fast you walk, I guess. And uh, it took longer if you went around Samaria, which was in the, you know, on, on the way. And a lot of Jews did go around Samaria because the Jews and the Samaritans just didn't get on. So they chose to walk around it. But Jesus walked through Samaria and the story that Martin was referring to earlier about the woman at the well uh, takes place when Jesus stops Jesus and his disciples stop at this this particular point they're thirsty they're they're hungry they're tired the disciples go into town to, to try and find some food but Jesus stays by the well but he can't draw any water even though he's thirsty, he can't draw water. He doesn't have the equipment with him to do that. So he waits. And eventually, uh, this woman comes, a Samaritan woman. And Jesus breaks these boundaries as Jesus does in his gracious and, and loving character. He talks. Jews and Samaritans didn't talk. Men and women, would have, there was that sort of uh, division as well. And so the woman's quite surprised when Jesus asks her for some water. And they get into this conversation. And within that, Jesus then comes up with what is quite an outrageous statement. Or at least it must have seemed that way to this woman. Because he says to her in chapter 4 of John, uh, verse 13, he says, everyone who drinks this water, the water in the well, will be thirsty again. 
That's not the outrageous part. That, that's true. But whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus would have been well aware of the sort of imagery of the wells of salvation from Isaiah and other parts of the Old Testament. He knew his scriptures well. And he was referring back to this, but he was taking it up another notch, another level. In fact, several levels. He was not just talking about wells of salvation that you would come to from time to time and God would do something in your life and, and he'd get you over a particular problem. He was talking about something that would be so much within you that it welled up and was with you all the time. A spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's a powerful and great image. And Jesus said this to this woman at the, the well, just her, um, in a private conversation. But we only have to move on a few chapters, in fact, to John chapter 7. And we find Jesus saying virtually the same thing in a very public place. It was the Feast of Unleavened Bread in Jerusalem. And uh, this was one of the major feasts of the year. People would gather um, for a week of celebration in Jerusalem and around the temple. And it says in John chapter 7 from verse 37, it says this, On the last and greatest day of the feast, so he chose his moment, the greatest day, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. That must have been quite a moment, wasn't it, to, to have been there and heard those words spoken. And there would have been those who thought he was crazy. What was he talking about? But there would also have been those whose hearts leapt at this expression of God welling up, streams of living water welling up from within them. People who are thirsty for new things, for God to touch their life. It's a beautiful image. But what does it mean? Well, John actually gives us a bit of a commentary on this statement in his gospel. The next verse says, by this... He meant the Spirit, God's Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. So Jesus is talking about something new, something fresh, taking the old and making it new and better. The old covenant, the new covenant, the old promise, the new promise what God is doing in his people through Jesus at this time. So we've thought about this idea of the, the well of salvation and how Jesus took it to another level. Um, but it's important that we try and think more clearly of what does this mean for us? How does this affect us in our lives? 
And indeed, what, what does it mean exactly? For some of us, images are wonderful things. They, they, they sort of capture something that, that can't be expressed easily in words, and, and, and we just embrace them. Uh, for some of us, maybe the engineers amongst us or, or, or such like, it's, it's much more of a thoughtful process. Or what, what exactly does that mean? How does this work? What does it look like? Well, Paul, St. Paul in, in, in the Bible, St. Paul, he was one of these people who thought things through. He tried to express things and explain them in ways that, that would help us to understand what it looked like. So one of the verses that Paul gives us, and Evan, if you could put that, yes, the verse up there, is in, is in uh, his letter to the Romans, chapter 15. And what we find in, sometimes in Paul's letters is these verses that sort of capture something, that capture something uh, of a truth in a particular way. So Paul says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might point out to me, hang on, Chris, this doesn't mention water or wells. wells. You're cheating here. Well, but I think the imagery is there, isn't there? It talks about being filled with something and overflowing. And I think this does talk about the expression that Jesus was uh, giving us, the image that he was giving us. And Paul tries to capture this in, in some words. And this isn't, I'm not saying this is like, this is exactly what it is. But this is one way of understanding it. Because I think images are given to us so that we can think in lots of different ways about them, lots of different perspectives. But I want to explore this one a little bit further. And I wanted to create a picture that would describe what's going on in this verse. Uh, but my artistic abilities are, well, on a scale of one to 10, let's say that they're towards the lower end of the range. But I've had a go, okay? So, so bear, bear with me. With... Evan, if you could move on to the next. This is, this is my work. <laughs> so this is us, or you, me, and uh, Let's say we're in a, in a hot region, and we are thirsting. And there is a well. And the God of hope that that verse talked about, the God of hope, the waters, the refreshing waters are there. But we can't reach them. There is a distance between us. There is a distance Paul says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So I think what Paul is expressing here is an exchange, an interaction, a relationship with God. In order for God to fill us with that joy and peace that he talks about, we need to give trust. So the image I've developed here is that like lowering a bucket down into the well, a bucket of trust. And we need to take that step. We need to move ourselves to the side of the well and put that bucket down. And as we trust in him, so we are able to then draw up joy and peace.
That's the image that Paul is giving to us here. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. There has to be that connection, doesn't there? There has to be that willingness on our part to put our trust in God for us to experience that joy and peace. But Paul doesn't stop there in his verse. He says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So my picture now gets a bit complicated. Because while we're still trusting and receiving that joy and peace, somehow the God of hope wells up. It's an interesting word, welling up through a well, obviously. Wells up and brings that hope so that it overflows beyond the edge of the well and into our lives. And that hope becomes an expression of who we are through the God of hope as well, people of hope. John Blakey talked about people of hope a few weeks ago. And that's what we are, people of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to have that well springing up within us, the Spirit of God. But is this our experience? Is this what our life is like if we are followers of Jesus? Do we overflow with hope all the time? Well, for myself, myself, I have to say no, not all the time. Not even most of the time. I struggle. So what, what, what can go wrong here to make this not be happening in our lives? Well, a few things. First of all, we can, we can stop trusting. We can stop lowering the bucket. We can stop looking to God. That's one thing. A second, a second thing is we can perhaps look to other things, to other things for our joy and peace. There's plenty out there, isn't there, that offers us joy and peace of some kind or other. Martin was talking about that, that in his, uh, his section earlier. The many things that are out there. So we can look to those other things and take away that exchange of trust and joy and peace. But I think the third thing is that we can somehow cap the well. Many years back, there was a character called Red Adair. Anybody remember Red Adair? He, um, yeah, he was, um, he was well known, wasn't he, for being the expert, the person you brought in if there was an oil well that had burst. It was overflowing. And um, I think this happened a lot in the, the Kuwait conflict. There were a lot of these overflowing oil wells, and you could see these images, couldn't you, of oil just bursting out of the ground. And his job was to come in and cap them with, uh, with his experience and technology. I have no idea how he did it. Uh, I just imagine a chap with a big, a big round thing that just blew on top. But it was probably more complicated than that. But I think we can do that sometimes ourselves. We can somehow keep God down and say, okay, well, yeah, I want you in my life, God. I, I want you to be the God of hope in my life, but let's not overdo it. Let's not, let's not be too obvious about this. Somehow we, we try and put a cap on what God wants to do in our lives. I think I'm guilty of that sometimes because I'm quite a, 
a conservative type of person in, in, in my heart and a bit, a bit nervous of what other people might think of me. So I need to be wary of that. So we need to keep trusting. We need to look to him for our joy and peace. And we need to make sure we don't try and cap that well. So that's the journey we've been on. We've talked about the Old Testament salvation, wells of salvation. We've talked about Jesus moving this thing up right to another level. And we've talked about how that might look in our lives and the problems that we might encounter along the way. So just to finish the talk, I'd like to pray with us just now, if you wouldn't mind. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Let's just take a moment to be quiet before God. This is really a prayer to be open for God to be overflowing in our lives, the God of hope. Father, I am here physically in this place, whether that be in church or watching online. At this moment, I'm focused on you. I'm still before you. Father, I'm here with my mind, engaged in this moment of reflection. Father, I am here in spirit, wanting to come close with your spirit. And as I draw near to you in body, mind, and spirit, I pray that you would draw near to me. And as I come to draw from your well of salvation, I pray that I would experience your love, your grace, your joy, your peace, and your hope. Father, we thank you for your overflowing love and hope in our lives. May we be open to you. Amen.